This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Amen. The title of my message this morning is, What Now? <laughs> what now? Where do we go from here? What now? What now? You know, I was watching uh, all the news stations yesterday, and uh, I had a number of the staff and people from the church calling me, should we go out and support this, or what are we supposed to do? I said, hey, you do whatever you want to do. I, uh, you know, this is a history-making moment in the nation, okay? It's, 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 it's historical that people, and, and I mean, the spirit was amazing. I, I went out for lunch, and I drove back, and I mean, people hooting their horns and waving flags. Uh, I, the only other time I ever saw this was uh, in about 1980. <laughs> some of you don't remember that. And I, I, some of the young people came to me, and they, yeah, this is so exciting. We've never seen anything like this. I said, yeah, well, I have. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the fact of the matter is that a demonstration or a, uh, a, a, a crowd, a movement does not make. You know what I'm saying? Just because we can gather and shout in the streets doesn't mean that we changed anything. See, real change doesn't take place by a demonstration. Real change doesn't take place by an event. Oh, and I wish it would. I wish that one event would change our nation. But you see, sometimes what we want to do is we want the quick fix of an event when we really need to change our hearts. See, as I came back from lunch, uh, I, the thing that concerned me was that it seemed like the crowd that I saw going to lunch was a lot more sober than the crowd than, the, than I, when I was coming back from lunch. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And people were openly carrying their brandy and openly carrying, which are against the law. So what we began to see is a form of lawlessness instead of a form of godliness. And lawlessness can never produce life. So I want to be very, very careful today, not to dampen your spirits, but to try to frame something in light of the Bible and what is really happening in the world and what's really happening in our nation. By the way, it's not over. There are a lot of machinations going on behind the scenes. There are lots of things we need to be very concerned about as citizens. And we need to be very prayerful. We cannot put our guard down. A march in the streets does not make a substantive change to anything. It's important at this time for us to ask ourselves some very important questions. Now's the time we should be asking some very deep questions about ourselves, about our nation, about where do we go from here. And one of those questions is, what kind of leadership will replace the current crop of leadership in the nation? 
You see, when we speak of leadership, we can't think in terms of only the office of the president. You see, it's time that we, as those who live in this nation, take a hard look at ourselves and ask us, what kind of leader am I? The amount of drunkenness and some of the wild statements and views that were expressed on worldwide television should cause us to be embarrassed. Is this the Zimbabwe we want? Now, I don't know how the television announcers could find the people they got to speak on behalf of Zimbabweans. <laughs> but I don't think it represents the majority of Zimbabweans. I must confess that there are attitudes that permeate our society, including myself, that have more to do with entitlement and privilege than with true leadership. You, we've seen an epidemic of looting and self-enrichment. And this epidemic of looting and self-enrichment has crippled the economy of our nation. And while this is going on, most of us, for the most part, have only thought of ourselves. We've only taken care of our own selves, our own personal interests. And even today, even those who are now liberating us from the criminal elements of ZANU-PF are part of the very ZANU-PF that they're liberating us from. Which has been rife with corruption. You see, I think that leadership is something that we must all evaluate on a personal and on a national level. So I want us to take a sober look at a few things this morning. But let's first open our Bibles. Does everybody have a Bible? Get your Bible out. You're going to want to underline these verses. These are two critical verses in the Bible. Okay, and then we're going to look at a few more. So just keep your Bible handy. Look at Mark, the 16th chapter. Mark, the 16th chapter and the 15th verse. Mark 16, verse 15 says, And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, God gave all of us this command. We are to go into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I think we've done a good job of that. I think that we have lots of people that have accepted Jesus Christ. And I think that many of you, because somebody spoke to you about Jesus, are here today and have received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Praise God for that. Amen? But there's another verse that's equally as powerful, but it has a little different twist on it. In Matthew, the 28th chapter, go ahead and turn there. You'll want to underline this. Verses 19 and 20, he says, Go you therefore and make disciples of all nations. Or teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, as much as I think we've been successful at preaching the gospel to every creature, I think we have been terrible at preaching to nations. 
Well, if you're going to clap, go ahead and clap. Thank you for those weak claps. We have not discipled nations. The, Zimbabwe, the nation of Zimbabwe is not a discipled nation. We are not disciplined. It's an indisciplined nation. We are not discipled in values. We do not uphold the values of our own constitution, let alone the values of Christ, let alone the values of the gospel. So what kind of a Zimbabwe do we want? The Bible has much to say about leadership and our responsibility towards those who are in leadership. We have a responsibility to those that have positions of leadership. And it also has a lot to say, more importantly to me, about those, the responsibility that those who lead us have towards those that they lead. The Bible draws out the leadership principles that, we've been, that have been woven into it. And they're drawn out by the one who invented leadership, God himself. God draws truths out to show us what good leadership's like. Who could possibly teach us more about good leadership than God himself? The problem facing Zimbabwe, the church, many of our families, many of our institutions and businesses, and even in the world today, is that there's a leadership vacuum. There's a vacuum in leadership. This is especially evident in Zimbabwe. Since we've only known a one-party state led by one man. And for the most part, all others just are marking time. This is why it's so incredible, so remarkable to see someone rise up and challenge the leader in such a dramatic way. And that's not always the best way. The Bible teaches us the way you leave is the way you enter. I'm deeply concerned about the way we're going about this. I'm not saying it shouldn't be done. I'm not saying it, 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 that, that there was another way. I'm just saying that when we are in open violation of our own laws, when we're in open violation of things, and it maybe needed to be done. I'm not saying that this isn't expedient, but we can open another can of worms. The way that we transition from Rhodesia to Zimbabwe probably needed to happen, but guess what? It opened a whole can of iniquity that we're still suffering from today. Iniquity gets passed down generationally. You know, I remember Ian Smith preaching and saying one time, not preaching, but giving a speech, never in a thousand years. Uh, but I think I've heard that same phrase maybe couch a little, never, never what? Never uh, somebody not from the war vets? I got news for you. If you're a war vet, you're going to die. And there'll be somebody besides a war vet in office one day. Now, maybe not this year, not the next few years, but let me tell you something. There is another generation coming. And we can't think about never in a thousand years. We cannot think about ourselves. We have to think about our future. And sometimes we become very short-sighted. We've actually had very little adherence to any form of fiscal policy in our nation. We have no real economy to measure our leadership against. You know, when, when you have an economy and when you have 
fiscal responsibility, you have measurements. But when we've lost all that, there's nothing to measure, uh, nothing to measure against. Zimbabwe has been dying due to a lack of strong leadership. Now, I didn't say we don't have a strong leader. A strong man is a form of leadership. But it doesn't produce leadership that leads everybody. It leads for a few and not for all. And what we need to understand is that to have leadership for a nation needs to be all-inclusive. We need to embrace everyone, even if they disagree with us. Even if they're from a different religion. Even if they're from a different belief system. A different race. A different color, a different tribe. Or a different political persuasion. Now don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good right now. You see, in this time of unprecedented opportunity and in this time of plentiful resources around the world, never before has there been such resource, never before has there been such opportunity as we're facing right now in the world. But in the midst of that, Zimbabwe and the church have actually lost influence. Zimbabwe's gone backwards. We don't have the influence we once had. We used to be something. We used to be. How many times did I have to hear it on the TV? Used to be the breadbasket. Used to be. And now it's like, ee, it's an embarrassment. So it is with the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ was called to disciple nations. God called us to be the voice of Moral rectitude, the voice of morality, the voice of truth in a dark place. And we've lost our influence. If the local church is not led well, then the bride of Christ suffers. And she will not be able to fulfill her mission to the next generation. God is the ultimate leader. Did you know that? And he calls every believer to be a leader of other people. Now, God, God could have arranged creation in another way. I mean, God's not limited, but God chose a certain way to arrange his creation. He chose to create you and I, human beings, who possess spirits and the capacity to relate to him and to follow him and to obey him. And then he chose that we didn't have to be forced to do so. He said, you have to do this of your own free will. So when mankind, Adam and Eve, fell into sin, God could have easily executed a plan of redemption that didn't include sinful people. But he didn't. But he has called you and I to participate in leading others as we follow him. And he's made that clear from the very beginning. In Genesis 1, verse 26, he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. See, God intended for man to rule. Now, God gave us rulership over everything on the earth. The fowls of the air, the beasts of the field, the fish in the sea, anything that creeps or crawls on the earth. The only thing that God did, get, did not give us rulership over is each other. 
That's why it's immoral for a leader to rule over other people in a way that is draconian, that is manipulative, that is using forms of coercion. That, that is, that's not God's way. But that requires a great degree of discipline, not only on the part of leaders, but also on the part of followers. Because you must lead yourself well if, you can be, if you're going to be led as a nation. We've chosen a pathway of democracy that basically says, in this nation, that basically says that the will of the people should be served by its servants, by its leaders. That has not always been reflected in our leadership, not only in this nation, but throughout the world. It seems as though people that get in power have a tendency to move towards a form of corruption, self-aggrandizement, self-seeking, that moves them away from serving, a servant leadership. I don't believe that you can be a servant leader unless the servant is inside of you, Jesus Christ. Unless you've had that change of heart. Because man's sinful nature leads him towards corrupting himself for the most part. But I do believe this. I believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership is what determines if any group, any organization, or a nation will succeed or fail. We see this throughout the Bible, reflected in the nation of Israel. Whenever Israel had a good king, it went well with the nation. When they had a bad king, it went poorly for the nation. That's why the Bible teaches us that without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. Amazingly, when God begins to call out leadership, he never calls the masses. He doesn't call for big rallies. He doesn't change things. He doesn't lead by big rallies. How many of you know the crowd is fickle? Oh, no, I, I can tell you how fickle the crowd is. I've been in crowds like that. One minute, guess what? They're happy and they're cheering. The next minute, somebody yells thief and they become a mob that they don't even know if that guy was a thief. But guess what? All you have to do is point and say thief. And that same mob that was so happy can kill a person. Mobs, crowds can be manipulated. It takes leaders, my friends. When God decided to raise up a nation, he called out a leader. His name was Abraham. When God decided to or wanted to deliver his people out of Egypt. He didn't guide them as a group. He raised up a leader to do it. His name was Moses. When it came time for the people to cross into the promised land, they followed a man. His name was Joshua. See, every time that God desires to do something great, he calls a leader to step forward. Today, he still calls leaders to step forward for every good work. Let me tell you something. God used Robert Mugabe. He's been our leader for 37 years. I think we need to be careful how we transition leadership. God raised up a leader to start this church. I need to be careful how I transition the church. I want to transition the church. I am transitioning it because I believe in another generation. I believe in generations. But you don't just hand over You have to walk with each other and 
something has to happen. Are you listening? Your business will not just transition to the hands of your children or into the future unless you lead it well and lead it into the future. Unfortunately for Christians, we became convinced that if we were ever going to follow Christ, or if we wanted to follow Christ, somehow we have to become sheepish, quiet, withdrawn. You see, we confused meekness with weakness. God calls us to recognize our weaknesses, but understand that in recognition of our weaknesses and in the humility that we have is where God strengthens us. He says, when you are weak, then am I going to make you strong. Where you can acknowledge weakness, I will make you strong. I often, and you don't see this, but even now, after I've pastored this church for, after I've been in the ministry over 40-some years and 39 years in Africa, I stand in the wings before I come to preach or I come early in the morning, and my prayer is always this. God, may I be hidden and may you be seen. I feel so weak. I feel so ineffective. I feel so unable to do this job. These are the sheep of your pasture. God, would you please help me? Because I don't want to lead them astray. I don't want to be one of those who has led others and then find myself a castaway. I don't want to lead people into something that is unsustainable. Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? It, 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 but out of that weakness, you become strong. Because... You have a confidence in God that he can lead you and direct you. So it is in everything that we lead. So what God desires is that we display what I call broken boldness. Not strength in my own self, but strength in Christ. Bold in what God can do through me. Amen. So if you're a follower of God, you should be a leader of people. That's more than just being a boss or having a leadership position. And it certainly doesn't mean throwing your weight around and being pushy and controlling. Jesus taught us what it meant to be a servant leader. In Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, he says, But Jesus called them to himself. And he said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and that they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever will be great amongst you, let him be your servant. And whoever will be chief amongst you, let him be, or let him be your minister. And whoever will be chief amongst you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. To be a servant of God means that we lay our lives down for other people. To be a godly father means you lay your life down for your children. To be a godly husband means you lay your life down for your wife. To be a civil servant means that you lay your life down to serve civil society. Not to enrich yourself. To be the president of a nation means that you humble yourself to serve the nation. Not to enrich yourself. We haven't learned that in Africa, and I'm not sure we've learned it properly in the church. 
I know. I also know. You know, the Bible speaks of a gift of leadership. Thank God for that gift. Romans twelve, verse eight. The Bible talks about he who exhorts. You know. Continue in your exhortation. And he that has a gift of giving, let him do it with simplicity. And he that rules, let him do it with diligence. And he that shows mercy, let him do it with cheerfulness. He that rules, let him be diligent. Diligent. We could use some diligent rulers today. Diligent rulers. Zimbabwe needs diligent rulers. Whether it be in the civil sector or the corporate sector or the private sector. Or even in our homes and families. But let me say this. You don't need to possess that gift to exert your influence in a Christ-like way. God wants us to be Christ-like. Simply said, let me give you a definition of leadership. Leadership is influence. Leadership is simply influence. So if you are being salt and light like Jesus commanded, then you've begun to obey God's call to be a leader. God needs salt and light in our community right now more than ever before. We are people of influence and we must use our influence to influence. We must influence the situation that we see ourselves in today. We can't wait for what's going to happen. We have to begin to be the voice of influence today. Only good leadership assures us of the possibility of leaving a lasting legacy. If we're going to have a legacy, we need leadership. And we can't wait for leadership. We need to lead. You see, we, we, we live in an age of tolerance. We protect feelings more than we value proclaiming the truth. People look with suspicion on anybody who desires to influence others or to, especially if we're inspiring or we're trying to inspire you to uh, accept our beliefs. We kind of live in an age where, well, hey, everybody has a right to believe whatever they want to. No, that's not true. That's not true. We're all in this boat called Zimbabwe. We can't have one person who has a belief that he can enrich himself drilling the hole in one side of the boat. We're saying, hey, hey, uh, uh, excuse us, the whole boat's going to go down. There has to be an agreed upon belief system. I want to encourage you, every one of you, especially after what, or in light of what has transpired in our nation in the last few week, in the last week, buck popular opinion. Buck it. Push against popular opinion. Don't just accept everything. Don't just get. Don't just follow the crowd. Think, think about the ramifications. Be smart enough to figure out what do we really want. We want. Godly foundations. We want something that, that is secure, something that will last for generations to come. There's a law called the law of legacy. The law of legacy states this. True success is measured by succession. True success is measured by succession. A legacy that does not include people has no eternal value. That is why leadership is critical. Make it your aim. Make it your goal to practice transformational leadership. 
What is that? Well, that's leadership where people live from the inside out. It's where people live from their heart outward. Where we're living to be a blessing and living to think of others and living to think of future generations, living to think of what our nation will look like a hundred years from now. That kind of leadership is based on character, conviction, and Christ-likeness. We're living in a critical hour. This is a critical moment in the nation of Zimbabwe. Here's some questions. Do we want revival or transformation? You know, we've seen revival in Africa. I keep telling you, when I came to Zimbabwe, the official records of the nation were that we were 20% Christian. We were 85 or 75% animistic. We were steeped in witchcraft. And you're the generation that came out of witchcraft. Your family came out of witchcraft. You're still leading some of your parents out of that deep witchcraft. Some of you still can't get out of it. You have one foot in the witchcraft camp, playing with the bones and playing with uh, juju and playing with the nyangas, and the other foot in the church, you know, trying to figure out, hey, 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 if this doesn't work, well, we'll do that, you know. But I hope that you're leading your next generation out completely. Because you can see what witchcraft has done to you, the fear, the trepidation. In order to see lasting change, revival must need to the, lead to the next step, and that's transformation. And this only happens when you and I as believers begin to immerse ourselves in our Bibles, asking for God's help as we search for the principles that will lead and guide and direct our lives, our families, and our nation. Do we want to move, number two, from looting to building? It's a good question. We need to ask these questions of ourselves. See, God is looking for a people who will take his word seriously, searching in it like it's a textbook to transform the nation of Zimbabwe. And it will affect our next generation. Could this be you? Could this be you? Spending time in the presence of God on your knees. If you do, it could change every area of your life. It's pouring through his word. As you do, you'll begin to find your influence increase. You'll begin to influence those around you. You'll have something to say besides how's the weather or how exciting this is. Look, there's another tank. <laughs> the more of us that do this, the greater the chance we have of seeing a whole nation change. Lip service to God doesn't change lives or nations. Owning a Bible that we never read won't change us either. It takes reading the Bible and obeying God by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we obey Him, as we obey His Word, we begin to grow in character. God's Word becomes flesh in us. It becomes part of us. And it becomes the standard for everything we do in our lives. This is what changes a nation. I have a question. Who are the nation builders? Are we? When we talk of building nations, what does that look like, number three? Well, first of all, 
we have to understand that God always had in mind to have a nation called the kingdom of God and to bless all nations from that nation. We, we live by kingdom values and we adopt kingdom values. We get the king's blessing. The reason Zimbabwe cannot succeed is that we have not sought the king. We do not seek the king of kings. We have not sought him. Our political leaders still to this very hour do not seek him. They treat the church with contempt and probably because we deserve it. But even now they said, you just pray. Stay out of this thing and just pray. No, 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 no. The church cannot just pray. The church is consistent of people that have moral governance and must govern. The church brings moral governance to bear. And as we call the government and we call our nation to reckoning that if you will not follow the laws of God, regardless of who takes the office of president, you will not prosper. Ultimately, you cannot prosper outside of God. God is one who raises up a leader. And God is one who lowers down a leader. God blesses nations. And what are nations? Well, they consist of families. God wants us to bring our families into a biblical model. You can put that slide up. It consists of families. Families on a biblical model. And can I say something about our families, folks? More than ever, you need to work on your family, how to build family ties. The Bible says, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. But I tell you what, I had the greatest experience this morning. My son and I had, how many of you know sons and dads can buffet each other? Hey, it's not wrong. But he came to me, he says, he's, he's preaching in, in, in Norton this morning. And he, and he came to me, he says, Dad, listen, he says, you know what? I was reading in Timothy this weekend. He says, I was disrespectful to you. He says, will you forgive me? Now, I'll tell you what, it broke me. I hugged him, I said, son, I forgave you the minute it happened. But it's not an issue of forgiveness, it's an issue of what I'm talking about. If you're letting God cut some things off of your life in this season, you have to replace it with something. And that sometimes means going to the one you need to talk to and say, hey, listen, I just want to make sure that we're right. In families, we need to do that. Sometimes it's the father that needs to go to the sons or the daughters. Sometimes it's the sons and daughters that need to come to the fathers and the mothers. Amen? Religion. In the area of religion, we're doing it. I talked to you earlier. We're planting Bible Word-based churches. I'll tell you what, the only way we're going to change is to get our people on the Word of God. We don't need these crazy prophets running around that don't teach the Bible. They teach a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. And they mask it in a power that is deceptive. That is not the power of God. The power of God is not a miracle. The power of God is a transformed life. The power of God is not, a, is not a lying sign and wonder. The power of God is a life that's changed and transformed, that has moral rectitude, that can lead a nation. I'm sorry, but we've been duped, and the church has been weakened because of it. The laughing stock of the world. Had a businessman... I met in South Africa. He says, ooh, I've just been with a certain prophet down there. 
I'd never heard of the guy. Supposedly a half a million followers. I said, wow. So I Googled him. First thing I saw was Jimmy Kimmel. Do you know who Jimmy Kimmel is? He's, a, he's an American talk show host. He, he, it's, a, it's a late night TV show. And he's taking this guy, and, he, and this guy has a video of himself as a prophet walking on air. Walking in, on, on air. And people, whoo! He says, he says, and so Jimmy Kimmel says, yes. He says, well, this is what they believe in Africa. He says, uh, this is the church in Africa. He says, but let me show you something. He says, this is the oldest trick in the book. And so he gets the cameras and he sets it up and he does the same thing. See, I'll tell you what, guys. It's foolishness is what it is. It's foolishness. It's a joke. And even if you could walk on air, so what? What, what does that prove? God wants us to transform the arts. Infiltrating with godly and biblical worldview. I'm sorry, here's what's happened. I'm shocked at some of you, and I'm shocked at some of our children, and I'm shocked at some of the people in the church who think that it's a great thing for them to stand for Christian values and then cross over to worldly values. Hey, the world is accepting me now. Look, why? Well, because I swear like them. I drink like them. I act like them. I'm saying, you, you, just, you just lost the plot. The plot is not for us to be like the world. The plot is for us to have the world become like us. When we have pastors that are with superstars saying, hey, I'm with Justin. It should be Justin saying, hey, I'm with my pastor and he's changing my life. We're not infiltrating the world. The, infil the world has infiltrated the church. When it comes to public communication, newspapers, media, we need to be transforming them to deal with truth and uphold the values of our whole society. We can no longer have media outlets that are solely propaganda sources. Around the world we hear the word fake news. Well, you know what? Fake news is simply this. News reported with an angle on it. News reported to denigrate one and raise up another. There is no longer honest media. You can't trust the media. But we should be infiltrating it and telling the truth. Objectively. As objectively as we can. But all truth is couched in Christ Jesus. The economy. This we could go on forever. In Zimbabwe, the return to proper fiscal standards and banking that makes sense for all people. This is craziness. There's no other nation in the world that's as crazy as we are. With all of the bankers, with all the astute financial people that are running South Africa, running most of Southern Africa, running institutions all over the world, we can't figure it out in our own nation. It's not by accident, it's by design. 
We need clear policy on foreign investment. And we need transparency regarding government's handling of money. In medicine, we need revamping of the health care delivery system to meet the needs of our whole society. I'm tired of seeing all of our health care workers in London and Canada and Australia and New Zealand and South Africa. In science, we're losing our best brains. Agriculture, we need to conserve our natural resources. Right now, on the news, we have the whole world looking at Zimbabwe and Zambia about allowing elephants to be harvested. Let me tell you something. If that's done properly, it could bring great revenue to the nation. The problem is that it has not been managed properly till now. Zimbabwe has the ability to harvest its resources in a proper way and be an example if it would. Clear guidelines regarding the mining, the mining sector and how we're going to exploit our mineral resources for the betterment of our society. Folks, you can't hand out all kinds of permits for people to take gold out of the country or silver or platinum. It has to be regulated and government can't be competing in that which it regulates. And ministers have no business owning the mining companies, if they're especially the Minister of Mines. When it comes to government, we have to realize that the only force for transparency is Christianity. Tribalism and witchcraft by their very nature are cloaked in secrecy. Freemasonry which has crept into our nation and now creeping into even the very echelons of our society is a secret society where some benefit and some don't. It's wrong. Colonialism, apart from Christianity, was designed to leave people in a state that they were found in and to exploit the land. They never thought about the benefit of the people. And I'm not necessarily saying those who settled to come here, but I'm going to tell you something. Those who ultimately benefited, the powerful families of Europe, didn't care about Africa. I can tell you that right now. And they still don't care about Africa. They don't care about... The average colonialist here, he wasn't exploiting you. He was just trying to make a living. But what was being exploited was what he was working in, the system that he worked in. He was trained to work in a system, and the real wealth was not for you, was not for him, was not for Africa. Some benefited, don't get me wrong. Not everyone cares about generations to come. We only need to look in the book of the story of Hezekiah in the Bible. Hezekiah was a good king. In fact, he was one of the best. He was one of the best kings. But he committed a serious sin against God. And the prophet came to him and said, your generation will be safe, but your son's generation will reap what you and the people have done in sin. And here's what Hezekiah did. The Bible says he rejoiced when the prophet said that he would be spared from God's judgment. He should have wept for the pain that would be in coming upon future generations. In our time, 
and in our nation, too many of us are like Hezekiah. We live with only a short-range view. We only want to think about, about what we can get for ourselves now. Instead, we should be thinking about three or four generations from now. We should be living our lives in a way that our children's children will be blessed. I believe in generations. Today, we, have, we were supposed to have a service for our young people in the tent. But I wanted you to hear what I'm saying because it's you that are going to carry the burden of the nation of Zimbabwe. And I want to show as an example something. If you're the age 40 or younger, wherever you're at in the auditorium, would you please make your way to the front? We want to pray for you today. We believe in the next generations. Just come quickly. And at the Celebration Church, Celebration School, if you'll come and make your way onto the stage, please. Look at this. More than half, more than half the church is under the age of 40. It's your generation. Come on, get right up here. going to have to squeeze in a little bit. Come on. I know some of you are just going to have to stand in the aisles. I know. I know. I, I knew what I was doing. I just didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I know who you are. I know how powerful you are. I know how powerful you are. I saw you all in the streets. I was looking at some of you. I saw some of you. Some of you are really cute. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Guys, if you'll let the school come through and go through that back door there, just leave a way in the aisle there on the far side. Just leave an aisle against the wall so that the school can come through. We have our school. They're, they're coming down. If the school would quickly make their way there. A man named Dr. William Dreyfus. Listen carefully. Professor of theology and culture at the now famous Fuller University, Fuller Seminary. He tells a story of a producer at 20th Century Fox in the 1930s. This producer wrote letters to several evangelical colleges asking them to send their graduates to become screenwriters and to help make good wholesome movies. Did the church capture such a good opportunity? No. One college president wrote back saying he'd sooner send their young people to hell itself than send them to Hollywood. Folks, I can't guarantee any of you, I can't guarantee anyone 
that you won't get hurt in life. I can't guarantee that you won't go into a marketplace situation and not lose money, not succeed. There's no guarantee that you're going to succeed. There's no, there's no such thing as a guarantee. But I can guarantee this, that if you don't risk, if you don't go into these areas, and if you don't try to take the truth with you, you will not succeed. And I can promise you this, that Zimbabwe, if we continue the path that we're on, will do another round of not succeeding. Because the truth is that it's the gospel, the power of God. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation not only of my soul, but of nations, disciple nations. It's time for believers to recapture leadership in influential areas of society. Don't let your beliefs about prophecy and the end times keep you from doing all we can to disciple nations, especially our own nation, Zimbabwe. You know, I'm so tired of Christians. My generation of Christians we were so ready for Jesus to come back that many people wouldn't go to school. They, they didn't get involved in anything to do with politics. Didn't get involved with anything because, well, you know, after all, Jesus is coming back, right? How stupid. How stupid could you be? Get involved. Press in. Make your life count. Live your life like Jesus isn't coming back for a thousand. Or live your life like he's coming back tomorrow. But plan your life like he's not coming back for a thousand years. Amen? Praise God. In our nation, the nation of Zimbabwe, we have to break the back of poverty, which is controlled in Zimbabwe by the evil trinity, greed, corruption, and injustice. That evil trinity is holding our nation in poverty. There is enough money that has been secreted away by corrupt leaders to pay off the national debt. There's nobody that wants to account for the $15 billion that has been admitted to having been lost. The problem of no money in our banks has more to do with corruption than some kind of shortage. I can tell you that right now. When we excuse ourselves as citizens and pay bribes saying that, oh, it's just the price of doing business, we're deceiving ourselves. And we will eventually have no grounds for trust in any form of transaction that takes place in the nation. And that will leave us open to exploitation and control only by the richest, only by those who can afford to do it without getting caught. I want to pray for this next generation. Look, more than half the church is the next generation. It's up to you now. We have done all we know how to do. I'll continue to be here to be a father, to help lead you. I love you. But if Zimbabwe fails, 
Don't blame its leaders. Blame yourselves. If Zimbabwe fails, it's because you chose something besides God. You know God. If just this group of men and women right here alone would decide that, no, from now on, I'm going to seek the kingdom. I'm going to seek God's way. I'm going to uphold righteousness. We're not having any more of this. It's not about me. It's about what's best for us, all of us. I won't succeed at the expense of my brother. I'll take him with me. We'll all succeed together. There's enough wealth. There's enough land. There's enough of everything in this nation for everybody to succeed. But we can't keep exploiting each other. pray for this generation but before I do I think and my last point for all of us is we need to repent we need to repent because as much as we like to point the finger at our forefathers and our leaders and they've done wrong they know they have and we know they have and that's why we're in the mess we're in today that's why this is all taking place is because enough is enough that's why what happened yesterday took place because people were tired. People were happy at the thought of, hey, change is good. But I'm going to tell you something. Change for change's sake is not good. Change for righteousness' sake is amazing. And we all need to take a good look at our own hearts and say, hey, I've been part of the problem. I didn't stand up when I should have. I didn't say no when I could have. I didn't Listen, I made myself rich when I should have helped others with me. I was selfish. I mean, I, I go back to even when we were burning money the first time. I have to say, I took advantage of that situation. Because everybody was taking advantage of it. But guess what? It hurt our banks. It hurt our businesses. It hurt our lives. Some of us benefited. We got houses. We got cars. We got stuff. But guess what? In the end, we all got hurt. Because it was an unrighteous system. It was unrighteous then, it's unrighteous today. Righteousness exalts a nation. Do we want a nation or do we want to just take care of ourselves? Let's just look at this screen real quick. I want to show you one two-minute video. Because this is how we should think right now. She's going to be punished according to the law. Take her to the master. Stone her! Stone her! Master, what should we do? This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. She should be punished according to the law. What do you say? Answer, Master. We want to know your opinion. Yes, tell us. Is it right to kill her? He among you who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. 
Come on. your accusers. Is there anyone here who's condemned you? No. No one. Then neither do I condemn you. Go. And sin no more. Let's repent for our part in the crimes against our nation, the crimes we've committed against our fellow Zimbabweans, crimes of tribalism, racism, factionalism, self-seeking, profiteering, anything else that God brings to your heart. Heavenly Father, we're asking you to forgive us for we have been guilty of not upholding the rule of law. Laws that have been based on your laws. Those laws that bring blessing. We are asking for a return to fair. That is a godly legal frameworks. And the government returns to its role as enforcer of those frameworks. As an impartial regulatory body. This will provide protection for all stakeholders. Father, we ask you to forgive us for our lack of transparency and predictability. We are praying that our leaders would return to policies that mandate transparency surrounding the operation of government and the fiscus with information that should be provided in easily understandable forms and through the media. That it should be fairly available, freely available and, directed, and directly accessible to those who will be affected by governance policies and practices. As well as the outcomes resulting therefrom. We also pray that any decisions taken and their enforcement are in compliance with established rules and regulations, especially our beloved Constitution. This lends itself to predictability, without which there is no nation or organization that can engender confidence to invest one's life or resources into it. We believe with long-term planning and commitment to principles that are the same for all members of the society. There can be an, an ushering in of a season of unprecedented growth and prosperity. Father, we're asking that our nation, our president, our government would be responsive. We are praying that the organizations and our civil government would repent from the corruption that has entered into all spheres of service, service delivery, whether through bribery or motivational apathy, we believe that these processes will become responsive in serving the best interests of all stakeholders, stakeholders within reasonable time frames. 
Father, we're seeking for a broad consensus. We are praying that we will return to good governance, which will require consultation from a broad representation of stakeholders to understand their difference and their different interests in order to reach a broad consensus of what is best and in the best interest of every citizen and how this can be achieved, achieved in a sustainable and prudent manner. Father, we're praying for equity and inclusiveness. We're praying for ourselves and for our government to provide opportunity to our stakeholders, to its stakeholders, to maintain, enhance, or generally improve their well-being. It is time for government to deliver a compelling message regarding the reason for people to remain in Zimbabwe and to what kind of existence there is for our children and future generations and what life will look like to those who choose to expend their lives here trying to give value to society. We're praying for effectiveness and efficiency. We're praying for our government to implement processes to produce favorable results, meeting the needs of all of its citizens while making the best use of our resources, human, technological, financial, natural, and environmental. Father, we're praying for accountability. We're calling upon ourselves, and we're calling upon God, and we're asking our government to delineate clear accountability throughout all divisions of government, which is a key tenet to good governance. Who is accountable for what should be documented, strictly enforced, with consequences for those who are in breach of its policy? In general, government is accountable to those who will be affected by its decisions or actions, as well as the applicable rules of law. And finally, Father, we pray for participation praying for ourselves that we would participate, that, Father, we would not be standing on the sidelines. Participate in bringing your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying that all Zimbabweans will have the opportunity to participate, either directly or through legitimate representatives. We believe that free and fair elections are the cornerstone of good governance. Participation needs to be informed and organized, including freedom of expression, the freedom to assemble in order to bring about constructive debate and expression for the betterment of our society in general. Father, we're making these prayers on behalf of our nation and more importantly, on behalf of ourselves. We're asking you, Lord, have mercy upon us. Keep us from apathy. Help us to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Deliver us from temptation temptation to think of only ourselves of our generation to be like Hezekiah but Father we also ask you to keep us from the evil one who would want to destroy our families our future and our nation in Jesus name Amen I've asked this Amen go ahead I asked our celebration school to help me close the service today we believe that the school, and in particular the church's role in the school, is to help train our children to love their country, to honor others, and to fulfill their godly purpose, the purpose that God has for them. So I'm going to ask you if you'll help lead us now in our national anthem.
I thought that line in there that says, may the Almighty God protect our land. Do you know how He does that? Through you. He doesn't do it from heaven. He does it through His people on earth. You enforce His will on earth. It's your responsibility. Lift your hands. Father, look at this church. I'm asking you to look at us right now, Lord. We will not condemn our former leaders. Father, they have sinned, but so have we. Father, we will not condemn them. They were the liberators, but Lord, help us to be the builders. Help us now to take our rightful places. Yes, Father, there will be truth and reconciliation needed for our nation. There will be audits. There will be people held accountable. But Father, we will not turn it into a witch hunt. That is not our desire, Father. We desire peace in the land. We desire, Father, the opportunity for another generation. Father, we pray for the situation that we find ourselves in. Father, to push our generals and our leaders to the decision that they had to make. Father, to stop the rot. Father, whatever it took, we don't know all the machinations. We are not on the inside. But Father, as the people, we are thankful that even though we're being led to a precipice, that Father, we will not fall off that precipice. You'll keep us. Your angels will surely encamp around about us. Father, we ask you that you see the suffering of the nation of Zimbabwe and you save us, you keep us, protect us, and help each of us, Lord, as men and women of God, to take our rightful place in bringing about peace, blessing, and prosperity and your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now I pray that you would empower this church to be hungry for your word, hungry for prayer, and hungry for your kingdom. Bless us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.